We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show, NBA trade deadline. Weeks away now coming up on February 9th. The buzz is growing. Doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a ton of action, but we've got a ton to get into today. So we're going to jump right into it. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, <clears throat> let's start right with one of our big topics from last week, and that's John Collins, the Wizards, Jazz, Nets, Pacers all interested in Collins. How do you see this situation playing out? I'm very curious to know, is this really John Collins has that wide of a market? Are the Hawks trying to build a more of a market for Collins? All of those teams, you can see it making sense, right? In certain constructions. I, I, as I said, I love the idea of him on the Pacers. I, I think that one's yeah. really, really fun. Uh, they're also the easiest be, just because they're sitting on that mountain of cap space. They could really uh, absorb his contract with relative ease. Wizards, I, I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, you know, we're, we're just shuffling deck chairs around if it's Washington. But to me, this being out there, combine it with other reports. Uh, uh, I, I feel like it's no less than four or five different reporters have weighed in on John Collins. I I think we're hitting the tipping point of John Collins is going to move. It's someone said to me the other day, John Collins is going to be Miles Turner after Miles Turner situation settles. And I laughed at that, but I was like, you know, but with the Turner stuff, it was always like this team should trade for him or this right. team, yo, should reach out on Miles Turner. This one is more. Collins is obviously very out there and available. So I do think there is a good chance we see Collins moved uh, by the deadline. Well, and he's been out there and available for a while. So yeah. this will be kind of like, hey, he finally gets traded. It feels like he's been on the market forever. Um, and I think you're right, though. I think ultimately he he will get moved. I mean, it's it's too it was obvious last year, too, and over the summer and all that. But it feels like it's too out there right now for him not to get traded. Like, how do you bring him back after all of this? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. pretty clear that the Hawks want to move on from him. So just find something, take the best deal, get it done, and move on. Yeah, and I think it's important to know new front office players, right? Mm -hmm. they, they weren't the ones who drafted John Collins. They weren't the ones who signed John Collins. So that starts to change a little bit of their uh, overall investment in him as a player. And it's, it's probably the easiest path for Atlanta to, uh, clear up some salary flexibility, clean up their books, not be a team that's going to be you know dancing around the tax line over the next uh, couple of seasons or so that, that just really gives them what they may need as a uh, sort of retool. I, I don't think, I, I don't think we're going to see this be in any sort of way. A, all right, let's kick off a rebuild and a full scale teardown. If that's going to happen, that's an over the summer kind of thing. Maybe if they really flame out and have a disappointing season and finish to this year, it gets, I think it's already been disappointing season. Um, but if the year finishes equally disappointing, then maybe you see bigger changes. I think the Collins is a in season. Let's reset. Let's retool on the fly move versus a, let's start a full teardown. But we may look back at it and be like, all right, that was kind of step one in a teardown process for the Hawks as they move into the summer. Yeah. Oh, man. Could you imagine after getting DeJounte Murray and, and putting him with Trey Young and all of this to suddenly go into a teardown for the Hawks? Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's possible. It's after possible. building that roster up really over, only over the last couple of seasons, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boyo Bogdanovich. Another piece that has been out there on the market for a while, even though the Pistons say, no, we want to keep him. I do wonder how much of that is posturing, but 
Lakers, Pelicans, Bucks, Cavs, Mavs could probably add like 10 other teams into this this mix too. We're interested yeah. in, in Bogdanovich, but like so many players, it's going to come down to the price. Are the Pistons willing to get realistic on the on the price on Bogdanovich or does somebody decide, okay, we're going to overpay in order to land this player? Uh, we'll see what ultimately gives here and if something gets done before, before the trade deadline. But these teams all, all make sense to me as potential uh, landing spots for yeah. Bogdanovich, all teams that really should be be interested in him to some degree. Um, whether or not it actually happens, I think it's going to come down to the market dynamics and and whether or not somebody either somebody on either side makes a mistake and either undersells or overpays or, or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting with this one. Cavs, Bucks have a little bit of trouble trading first round picks for uh, anybody. No, never mind, just Bogdanovich, just because they owe picks in the future. Lakers, we've talked to that ad nauseum. We know what that looks like. Those would have to be down the line. Pelicans are sitting on a whole bunch of extra picks. So that makes it there. They'd have to obviously match salary for him. That gets maybe a little bit trickier, but he's right around 20 million. So that's not a super difficult match that you're talking. All right, we're going to have to move off a couple guys to, to get there. So I, I, it absolutely makes sense for all these teams. What this tells me more is Detroit. If they hold a hard line for, we have to have a first for him. They're going to get it. And I think it's that extension that he signed being so fair value for him and friendly with that second year in the uh, 24, 25 season being mostly non-guaranteed that allows for them to drive that a little bit more because you're not just renting him for the rest of the season. Right. Where on a rental, you have to be really sure, all right, this is the dude who lifts us over the top for a title, or we think we can resign him and he can be a big part of it. Already signed for next year. That's even better news for you know any team acquiring him. That's why the Pistons are probably going to get more for him than what they paid. This it's kind of funny. It's it's like the NBA's version of a flip or flop, right? Like yeah, they, right. They, they they they're flipping uh, uh, the the Bogdanovich uh, you know house for you know more money than what they paid for it in the end. And but that's kind of the game if you can make it happen. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's that's absolutely true. Um, and if you that doesn't necessarily mean that if you're the buyer, you're in a bad spot. If you no. if you wind up doing that because mm-hmm. because of the contract improvement and and all of that, like that that can absolutely matter. Um, that we've seen examples of this in the past. I don't know. This is dumb, but I think of my my fantasy football league. I had a, a league where last year I a guy had traded for Austin Eckler, got him super cheap. Everybody around the league said, "What do you? How did you trade for that player for that little?" <laughs> I turned around and paid way more to get him. And so he was able to flip him at a, at a major profit, but then I won the championship. So it worked out. Um, that's what these teams can be looking at. Not necessarily saying they're going to win the championship, but just because they pay market value right now doesn't necessarily mean that it's definitely an overpay compared to what was the price back over the summer. Yes, they're going to, you know, the Pistons are going to make a profit here, right? But that doesn't mean that it's automatically a bad move for this team within reason. I think when we get into the, well, it's an unprotected first plus a promising young player and the, he's going to be 34 by the time the playoffs come around. Like there's a point where you have to, to say, okay, this is getting crazy. Yeah. But that's not to say that he's not still a very valuable player. Yeah, that's exactly. You go too far and all of a sudden, like any trade, right? You did. There's a point of, ah, that's too much now. Now yeah. I'm uncomfortable with it. But for I keep seeing people, anytime he comes up, I see a lot of people will say, Really, a first for Bogdanovich? Go look at the stats. This dude is really, really good. Yeah. And he's probably, of all the guys we hear about that are available um, via trade, he's probably the most plug-and-play guy because you start him, you bring him off your bench, you play him in small lineups and big lineups, whatever it is. You just throw him on the floor and ask him, hey, just do your thing. And he can carry a second unit as a scorer himself, prop up and be your third, fourth scorer on a starting group. Uh, he, he is, he's, he's really, really good. And that's that's why you know, I feel really comfortable if I was a team in position to get him. I'd give up an unprotected first if I was like, all right, this guy can really lift me, especially knowing it's not just this year. I've got him next year, and he should retain value. Even if he turns into more of a standstill spot-up shooter in the last couple of years of that contract, that's that's fine. He's, he's going to make those at a high enough rate, and I, and I don't think he's going to drop off that, that quickly. He's just a really good, solid uh, player who can do a lot of different things. All right. Uh, the 76ers are also expected to make some kind of move. They're going to do something to try to avoid the tax, which, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to be a big move, 
But still, these kinds of savvy moves can can add up. If you do something small, you do something to drop below uh, the tax line just enough. So what what do you see the Sixers doing here? Yeah, the rumor is, and, and it completely makes sense. And this is where rumor combined with common sense, if you know the cap, uh, meet. And it's like, yep, we're, we're all there. We're, we're mm-hmm. all at the same party here. It's Furkan Korkmaz or Jaden Springer. They, they're two non-rotation players. Uh, Korkmaz makes about $5 million. Springer makes a little over $2 million. And the 76ers, as it stands right now, are about $1.2 million over the tax line. So it really... Yeah, would behoove them to get out of the tax completely, um, kind of reset things a little bit, just avoid being a taxpayer. Um, if you could avoid that in another year down the line, now all of a sudden you're out of the repeater tax, everything resets for you, you're in a good place moving forward. And I think um, anytime you can do that at the expense of moving a non-rotation player, and the reality is it's probably going to cost you either the cash to pay that that player's contract or you're going to move a second round pick to do it because they were talking so such low salaries here uh yeah it, do do it there there's nothing lost out of doing that yeah you're giving up on springer but he's never gonna pop there they, they've got too many guards as it is for him to become a rotation guy and Korkmaz has never ended up being more than an occasionally you know streaky shooter in a rotation he's just not going to give you much the other guy I'd keep a loose kind of eye on but he's playing a little bit more matisse Thibel, um just yeah. because i wonder but i think that would be a if we could put Thibel and cork together go get ourselves a 10 million dollar player we would do that to upgrade the rotation and then use springer as a salary dump and again you've got indiana San Antonio sitting on tons of cap space mm-hmm. spots where a guy like Jaden Springer could maybe get a few minutes in the end, a little harder. They've got a lot of guards, but the Spurs, yeah, maybe you could throw them in that, that rotation there at the end of the year, much like they kind of did with Romeo Langford, who was sort of a throw in ish into the uh, Derek white deal a year ago and has shown some stuff the second year. That's where you could go with this. So I think, I think Philly's they've got some stuff coming over the next few weeks. It's they're not done yet. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And look, frankly, that that's a good, at least somebody's going to do something. Right? <laughs> we Who knows what's going to happen with this. With this right before we started, I was telling you how I wrote, you know, it's trade season. Well, it's trade rumor season so far. Yeah. If, uh, imagine if we get to like, like 4 p.m. February 9th and the only deal the entire time was a Noah Vonley salary dump. I'd be like, well, so anyway, thanks. For- I don't think it's going to be that bad, but the potential is there for this deadline to be a, a dud because of be. because of the buyer seller dynamics right now. There's just there's not that many sellers, and we're st- basically what needs to happen to shake up this market is Toronto, Washington, Chicago. Somebody, at least one, probably more than one team, has to flip into becoming a seller, yeah. put players onto the market that will shift values, and then things will loosen up and start going. Because right now the sellers are just going, well, this is the only option, so give us everything you possibly have. And teams are yeah. not willing. Yeah, it feels a little bit like, like you get that like kind of kink in the hose, right? Yeah. And like we just got to work that out. Once it does, we're going to start seeing stuff flow. And and I tweeted that this morning about just who's going to be the early mover because sometimes the early mover wins here. Where it's yeah. like, all right, we we went and we did it. And and I do think for some of these guys, I mean, it is a seller's market right now. You are if you're selling. There's way more buyers, so you're gonna. That's why the Pistons can say, "Now nah, we're getting a first for Bogdanovich because there's we. I mean, just off that one report rattled off, I think five teams, yeah. and like you said, there's probably closer to ten teams that are interested in trading for him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, speaking of a player that is going to have a lot of interest, Jakob Pertl. Is he where the Spurs reportedly want to for everybody wants a first. Eric Gordon? Oh, give us a first, right? Like everybody is, is worth a first right now. And then but, if the guy can play, yeah, it's we need multiple. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, give us a first just for the player because he's yeah. going to look pretty sitting on your bench. But if the guy can play, oh man, that's multiple first round picks. You're going to um, give me David Putney just because I damn well feel like <laughs> you pancake eating them ever. Um, Yaga Pertle, is he worth two? We're quoting for anybody who does not know what we're talking about. We're quoting the movie Draft Day right there. Great, just, great. just to be clear, um, Yaga Pertle, is he worth the two first round picks that the, the Spurs want? Well, we should note that not all firsts are created. Maybe the, the challenge is, as I look at this, who needs him? Like, who, who is like, 
we need him to be our guy, knowing especially you have to sign him this summer. Now he would come with his bird rights, so you would be able to to you know sign him and, and re-sign him to whatever contract you feel is fair. It's now reported he's turned down the Spurs extension offer, or if not turned it down, there's at least an understanding of he's not doing that, mm-hmm. um, which I think totally makes sense, right? It's just not enough money for him. I want to say they can cap him out at about $58 million over four years. That's not enough for, for Jakob Pertl. He's, he's too good for that. Again, another guy, if you doubt it, go look at the stats. He, he's been excellent uh, for San Antonio. Really a hub for them now, too. He's really yeah. shown a lot of stuff as a passer, somebody they use a lot in the high point. Three assists per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boston was reportedly interested. Now, I was told uh, this week that interest was before Robert Williams got back when they were still yeah, we don't know what's it going to be, you know, when and if Rob gets back and all that sort of stuff. It seems like that's tailed off a little bit, but it was in that talks that it, that uh, Jared Weiss of the Athletic reported the asking prices to first. Now Jared also reported, which was you know smart on his part, is last year was two first for Derek White too, and that ended up becoming a a, a first round pick and then a pick swap down the line. That, that the Celtics even were able to put a top one protection on, and it's way, way down the line. So my guess is that's probably where we land. It probably turns into a first plus an interesting young player, and that yeah. that's where this could go. My problem is I'm just not seeing the you know, absolute landing spot. But if you're San Antonio, wait it out. Maybe a yeah. big gets hurt in the next couple of weeks, maybe a team says, all right, you know what? We need him to be, you know, our guy and, and come forward. And we feel like also we can resign him and we feel like, you know, he can be a long-term piece. Cause I, I, I would certainly be willing to pay a little bit more if you felt good about your ability to keep him. Well, and, but uh, Pirtle, he turned 27 back in October. So it's not like he's 27 about to turn 28. Not sure. like that would even be that big of a deal here. So if you're San Antonio, if the worst case scenario is we re-sign him this summer and hang on to him that's not a bad thing even you know he's not he's not like at an he's not 31 32 where you're going well we've got a rebuilding team and by the time we're good he's not going to be around and we really need to move him right now it's not like you know 34 year old eric gordon on the on the houston rockets it's not that situation so again if you're san antonio it's not there it's not the it's not the end of the world if the deal's not there right now yeah, even compare him to another center who could be available on the market, Nikola Vucevic, mm-hmm. who's enough older that I think that turns into, all right, what are we doing? If you're trading for Vooch, you're probably like, all right, he needs to be the last piece to really put us over the top in a you know full-on run here to the finals, whereas Pirtle, it can be a little bit more of, yeah, it's a long-term where we're making investment here into a guy we think we can keep. Now, if you trade anything like two firsts for him and then he walks this summer – that's probably not great unless you Correct. you know did come away with a title run. Then that's you know you can feel a little bit different about that. But you just you know it's all it's all about balancing and, and you're really trusting where you are today. But also this is what it will look like for us a year, two years, three years down the line because that's where you know you have to be willing to really put in that investment in terms of young players or picks or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's jump to Utah. The Jazz. Jordan Clarkson. Says there's been no extension talks with the Jazz. He's got a $14.2 million player option this coming offseason. Um, we've heard the Jazz want to keep him. They, they'd like to keep mm-hmm. him around. He's been good for them this year. Obviously, the Jazz have slid in the standings after that, that crazy start where they were the one seed uh, for a while there. But what, what happens here? I mean, if you're the Jazz and you don't feel like you can reach an extension, does that push Jordan Clarkson onto the trade market here before February 9th? I think you need to be open to it. Well, let's see what a team comes with. If a team comes with a decent offer, you need to probably look at it, but that applies for about seven guys on this jazz roster right now, right? You're, you're, you're just going to be kind of constantly in the evaluation phase. I think the slip in the play over the last, let's really say month or so. I, I think that has put them into a spot where it is. All right. This is now we're in a little bit of a different world instead of being you know, we could like to add and really move up and put push in for a real playoff spot. Now it's all right. Do we want to fight for a spot in the play in? Can we make noise in the play in? Is that the right thing for us to even do? And, and I think you can feel a little more confident in saying, Hey, we've still given you a really good fun, you know, half by the time the deadline rolls around, uh, you know, three fifths of, of a season. And now we're, going to play all the kids and we're going to look at the young guys as we move forward and go from there. And I think jazz fans would say, yeah, that's fine. We're, 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 we're bought into that. So Clarkson to be uh, fair on this, he did 
say this himself, that there were no extension talks. He told this to a Filipino media uh, that was assembled. If, if we remember back, uh, Clarkson is a Filipino-American, and he, um, I believe, I don't know if he has actually played with the Philippines national team or if it's like he's going to at some point. I, I can't remember, remember if he actually that. did. I know he's yeah. been linked to them forever, but yeah. Yeah. I so I think played. it's probably one of those things where he eventually will maybe uh, do that. I, I'd have to look it up, but anyway, it's uh, that's why he was doing uh, media availability uh, with, with a uh, Filipino media, but he, for him is, he is in the spot um, where he is. He basically didn't say anything of like, you know, nah, you know, they don't want to extend me. It was just, hey, as far as I know, we haven't really talked that. And maybe he does know that. Maybe, maybe he knows, like, yeah, there's been nothing substantial. But he did say, I love it in Utah. I'd love to stay here. I it would yeah. be happy to stay with my team. So I, I think it's one of those where let's see what the deadline brings. Um, that extension offer that can be on the table all the way through uh, till till uh, till June or Clarkson. And I think what is more likely is Clarkson says, let's forego the extension. I want to hit free agency, see what's yep. out there for me. Then we can have a conversation then. And Utah would still have his bird rights. It's love the ability to resign him if he makes it to the end of the season. So I think that's probably more like where this is headed. If you want a lot more thoughts on Jordan Clarkson for me, I wrote about him for spot track uh, as part of our next contract series. It's you just, you know, Go uh, Google Keith Smith, spot track, Jordan Clarkson, and it'll pop right up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's he's going to be 31 in June, averaging mm -hmm. 21, 4, and 4. This is this is the time. This is the the cash in right now. Get the biggest contract that you can. Lock up as many years as you can. That's that's the situation he's in. So then it may be better for him to wait until the summer. We'll see what ultimately happens there. And you know what? I don't hate a team giving him a decent contract, whether it's Utah or somebody else. Jordan Clarkson could very well be the next Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, where sure. he's playing 17 years into his career and just doing his bench scoring thing at, you know, in his late thirties, that would not shock me at all. I think he's got that kind of game that that could, could do that. And those guys, I mean, comparatively to where we're headed, they didn't make a lot of money. But for their time, those two dudes made a lot of money in Crawford and Williams. And there's no reason Clarkson can't do the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's jump over to a potential three-team trade. The Cavs have talked three-team trade to land Malik Beasley. That'd be a really nice addition for them. Uh, with the Hawks and the Jazz involved. So, it could, I mean, this could be a big John Collins trade here. If the, yeah, the that's what Jazz. it sounds like. Yeah, this was, uh, I believe, Mark Stein had this one or it might've been Shams. It was one or the other um, that, that had it. This is unfortunately, this is this year. It feels like more than ever, we're getting like these trade Intel notebooks that are dumped like every few days. Yeah. And I start to forget who they all came from. But in this case, um, yeah, it was Cavs would get Malik Beasley. Hawks would get John call or jazz would get John Collins. The challenge that it's at, uh, I think this was Mark Stein um, where it's all broken down is the jazz, um, don't they want draft compensation back from the Hawks? They 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 don't want to just bring Collins in. They also want like they were eating a hundred million in contract. We want a uh, you know probably a first round pick, maybe even two, or you know throw us one of the kids on your roster or whatever it is. In, you know in exchange for this, which is 
that's one of those things, again, you say three weeks, four weeks out from the deadline, and then that sort, sort of rebalances itself because it's not like John Collins is dead money. This is not yeah. like you're trading for $30 million of you know a guy who can't play anymore. I was going to say, should the Hawks even feel like they have to pay to get him off their roster? I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't. I, and, and honestly, I would not be – if I'm the Hawks and I'm really like, okay, there's a mandate here, we got to reset these books a little bit, that – that changes my my salary cap math somewhere. Right? Maybe I'm not pushing for a great return for him, but I wouldn't even be just giving him away. I would be like, all right, we're going to move him, but we need something of value back. Like, and we're certainly not paying you to to take him on. Now that just that that makes no sense to me. Right? Yeah, agreed. So I could see where that would fall apart there, but something to keep an eye on. You know, I mean, the Cavs have been looking for help on the wing. Um, they've talked about Jay Crowder, so we'll see if they wind up making a move that can help really. I mean, they're in the upper echelon of the East, but a, a trade here at the deadline could like firmly cement them being one of the top, like right there with like, you know, with Boston and with Milwaukee and, and maybe Brooklyn's in there. They can cement themselves as one of those teams right there that, um, you know, a, a Eastern Conference finals, a, a NBA finals push would not be out of the question. Let me ask you this, though. Is Malik Beasley that guy for you? I don't know. Like he's as a shooter. Sure, he can give you that. So I think they need more. I think they need more size than what Beasley brings. So I one, I totally agree on the size thing. I think they need somebody. They don't need another shooting guard that can kind of play the three. They need a three that can maybe even kind of play the four. Like I don't know that Jay Crowder's necessarily the guy I'd go for either. Just I think his shots a little too too wonky. Um, I'd prefer like Kyle Kuzma if I was them. If if Mm -hmm. you you wanted to pay that price, three. But I'm glad you said there on the shooter part with Beasley. The last two seasons, so last season and this season, he's under 40% overall from the field. Yeah. I would not have guessed that until I looked this up the other day. And still, okay, three-point percentage is pretty good a year ago, 37.7%. This year, 35.5%. But under 40%, he's really kind of turned into a, a three-or-nothing guy that doesn't finish much in, inside anymore, doesn't even really get inside. Uh, you know, 75% of his shots are three-pointers now. So yeah. if if that's the profile and he's going to continue to shoot, you know, 75, 80% of his shots from behind the arc and make in the high 30s to low 40s, then you're fine because now you're a three-point specialist. But that that just jumped out to me a little bit. I was like, wow, under 40% two years in a row. That's that's a little bit, a little bit concerning for a guy whose calling card is a scoring and shooting. Yeah, I mean, he was 47% from the field in the 2019-2020 season while shooting almost the same volume of threes and shooting 43% from three. Now, that was a tiny sample size. Just Yeah, that was just his time. That's that's part of it. But even if you go to the next season, okay, he's he's the same volume, 40% from three, 44% from the field, 20 points per game for Minnesota in 2020-2021. And that's at least over a 37-game sample size, which is, of course, a bigger sample size there. And then... Um, so there, there is some concern there that maybe his best three point shooting season, you know, you look at the 79 game season from the 21, 22 season. Okay. Then his field goal percentage drops all the way down to 39%. Then his three point shooting is only at 38%, which is still good. But when you're a volume score, each percent really matters. So I could see where you can look at his best three point shooting percentage seasons being outliers to a degree because they were smaller sample sizes. Whereas 47 games this season, 79 games last season, putting more weight onto those where he's been overall a sub 40% shooter. Yeah, I I guess I get stuck on thinking him from thinking of him from that first run with Minnesota after the trade deadline. Then that first and I want to say it was his first full season under contract with the Wolves. He obviously missed a lot of time there because he had that domestic issue that kept him off the court for, you know, half a season. But for me, I, I get stuck on when he did play. Those are the numbers that stuck in my head of, wow, you know, Malik Beasley's, you know, really good. Cause there was that memory that, that sense always with the nuggets of this guy just needs to play more. He needs a bigger role. He needs yep. a team where he can play a lot. And he got it and he really broke out and looked awesome with the Wolves early. But then last year kind of dipped. I'm wondering if he's a guy who he needs a real like 
I need a defined role where I'm going to play a lot. This is what I do instead of what's happened the last couple of years, which is like, yeah, sometimes I start, sometimes I don't. Um, right. Sometimes I play a lot and see a lot of shots. Sometimes I don't. And then that turns into, you know, he, he might be more of a rhythm guy than, than I previously thought as opposed to just, he's just kind of solid always. So just, just kind of interesting to, to, to throw that in the mix there for anybody who hadn't looked at the numbers. Cause I know they caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and again, he's a guy whose name is out there. We may see him moved. We'll get to find out what he really mm -hmm. is. Um, the Wolves, uh, sticking with them, looking at D'Angelo Russell trades. So yeah, this report was really interesting. Um, I know we both had a laugh at the D'Angelo Russell quote right. on our last show, and this kind of came out of some of the same reporting uh, from Jake Fisher at Yahoo, but then it's been doubled down on by Mark Stein and by um, uh, Sham Sharania um, with the Wolves are there. They're, it's kind of weird because it's they're interested in maybe moving Russell, but getting a point guard back. And that sounds like that's a, yeah, we're not sold. You're the point guard for this right. team. And we don't know about giving you a four-year, $100 million contract or anything approaching that next year. So maybe we'll look at, you know, if we can flip you for one of the names that was suggested was Mike Conley um, of the Jazz. So that could be kind of interesting because that gets the Jazz off. Yep, yeah, and that the, the Conley's owed about 14 million guaranteed next season out of his 20 million. They, I, I thought one of the pieces of reporting that was really good on this because it doesn't get reported this way enough is the Wolves are they need to preserve his salary slot because if he just simply expires and leaves town, that's it, they, they, that's gone. That's 31 million of matching gone out the door. That's yep. something you and I have talked about quite a bit with Russell Westbrook is you got to kind of decide which way are we going here with, with this. And that's, you know, and that's just something Minnesota I think is, um you know, a little conscious of too as well here. So I, I'm curious to see how this one goes because rare do you see the players out there for trade who's not bad. I mean, D'Angelo Russell's mm -hmm. far from a bad player, but we want a player back at the exact same position. That's yeah. always a little, little odd of a situation. So I'm, I'm curious to, more than anything, just to see can Tim Connolly and crew pull this off to get a point guard in, in replace of trading a point guard away. If, if they decide they don't want to be the next team to pay D'Angelo Russell or pay him his next contract, then it does make sense for them to move on. But you do need to replace that point guard position. So um, <laughs> I love this. The Raptors will do something. That's that's what's out there right now. Now, what that something is, we don't know. But the rumor for today is that the Raptors will indeed do something, <laughs> whether that means Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, uh, who knows, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. That is all up in the air right now. But uh, the Raptors apparently would like to do something. Their, their season has been off the rails, not been good, um, not been what they expected it to be, I should say. So what they ultimately do... That's that's unknown at this point, but the word is that they're they're not a team that's going to just sit back and say, well, we'll let the chips fall where they may and then figure things out this summer. They're going to do something by the trade deadline. Yeah, and then that's going to be Toronto Raptors have traded Kem Birch to the San Antonio Spurs for <laughs> right. the top 55 protected second. Right? Like, like, then it's like, hey, we did something like that's, you know, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, it's. It very much feels like as you talk to people around the league, whether it's folks in the league, folks who cover the league, um, agents, anybody, it's like everybody is like, what's Toronto going to do? Like, because, and they're just, they, they lost again the other night uh, to the Bucks. They are sitting 20 and 25. They're five and five in their last 10, which isn't an improvement. They had won a few games in a row, but they're, they're a half game out of 10th. They are five full games out of the sixth seed. I, that's just not where Masai Jerry's going to be. Like, he's just not going to sit there and be like, nah, we can be 11th. And I also don't, just personal opinion, I don't think he wants to be 9th, 10th, or 11th. Well, definitely not 11th, but like 9th or 10th or maybe even 8th in the conference either and in that play-in tournament. I think he's going to be more of, nah, let's get, let's let's do what we need to do to reset uh, things here. Like you said, who knows what that means? And I yeah. certainly don't know either, but there's a lot of interesting pieces on that team. Again, I'm going to hold to, they'll start the process of the trade deadline, I think, but I think this summer going to be major, major changes coming in Toronto. Yeah, absolutely could. Absolutely could. I would be, I know the asking price is high for OG and Anobi, but Gary Trent Jr. seems like the name that's out there that, most yeah. likely to be on the move, but we'll kind of we'll a classic three and D guy, right? Everybody could use him, so yeah, that one makes some sense too. But pretty easily movable contract 
Yeah. For pending free agent. Yeah, totally. All right. Uh, the speaking of a Toronto Raptor player, Raptors player, the Suns and Magic are reportedly after Fred Van Vliet. Two very different teams in terms mm-hmm. of where they're at right now. Um, Fred Van Vliet, I mean, you're gonna have to pay him. Whoever trades for him, you're gonna have to be willing to give him that next contract. Uh, how do the Suns get there? Is this? I mean, is this? <laughs> see you later, Chris Paul. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. So again, uh, next contract series. This one I just wrote, uh, just posted uh, the last couple days. I wrote about Fred VanVleet uh, in that, and I broke down basically every possible angle for what he could do, extending, uh, what he could do as far as a you know uh, trade, opting out, and signing as a free agent, and all that stuff. And I touched on the Suns and the Magic. So the Suns' path to Fred VanVleet is probably easiest if he opts in. And then they can trade for him on his opted in salary for next season and then extend him after that. Because the challenge is for the Suns to do a sign and trade that would hard cap them. And they're, they're going to be dancing right around that hard cap line anyway, because right. you got to remember, they've already got long term big money tied up in Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikhail Bridges. Then. Who knows what happens with Chris Paul, right? Could he be part of the trade? Could you move Chris Paul on a separate deal? Do they, you know, I don't think it'll happen, but could you just say, see you later and eat Chris Paul's contract for the half guarantee it is for, for the, the, this coming season? Let, let me make sure that's that's correct because I think that's what it is. But could you do that and just say, yeah, we're, we're out? I mean, anybody who thinks that's completely crazy, I said, just go look. Chris Paul has really, really slipped. Uh, this year, yeah, he's 30.8 million, but he's only guaranteed for 15.8. So could could you just move on from Chris Paul? That seems very unlikely seems to me. Yeah. yeah, but I think the challenge with this one with um uh Van Vliet for the Suns is it's just hard to get there because you're gonna have to kind of cobble it together for them. It, it's very, very similar to the whole Kevin Durant thing. Like how do you how do you match salary in a trade for for KD and a sign a trade becomes really hard again, like you said, because of the hard cap component. So I don't know with them. The magic, much more cut and dry. They're gonna have over 30 million in cap space this summer. They would just sign them out right and just just move on. And that's that's what they do. Um, a couple of things with the magic, very uh, unsettled guard position. They've kind of got bigs and wings. It's just what does the guard spot look like? That's a little more uh, confusing there. And maybe you move a couple of the others for other things of value to uh, rebalance the roster a little bit, bring in Van Vliet as kind of he's he's our veteran stabilizer. But I just said this on Orlando radio this morning, uh, where for those who don't know, that's where I live. So I do radio there fairly regularly. If this is the move for the Magic, you better be very, very sure you're pushing in for a playoff yes. push next year because yep. it doesn't make sense otherwise. And the last thing you'll know, Jeff Waltman was with Toronto when they they kind of got Fred VanVleet, and he was he's one of the cooler stories. And on draft, a guy fought his way onto the roster and really be- become a good player. But shooting has really slipped. A lot of injuries over the last couple of years. Going to be thirty, you know, in a couple seasons. So buyer buy beware here. Be careful. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. You got to be careful. You don't you don't wind up in an overpay mm-hmm. situation here. Yep. Um, heading down to Dallas, Luca. Wants the Mavs to upgrade at the trade deadline. Not a surprise, right? That that Luca would like to see pieces added to the Mavs. But man, you watch the Mavs play, and you're like, "Gosh, it's it's really it's Luca or nothing, right?" I mean, it, it, it's when he's off the floor, kind of obvious that they're they're missing their their whole everything, right? He creates everything for them. That's a massive burden. So not a surprise. I the question for the Mavs has always been how how do you yeah. upgrade this? How do you add that? How do you add that next guy? They thought it was going to be Porzingis, and it wasn't. How do you add that guy that's going to be there with Luca and still have depth on your team and and all of that? That's the big challenge for for the Mavs, and it and it has been for a while now. What do they do to really add that other piece? They're one of the teams I could see if they were like, all right, we're going to go kind of. We think Pascal Siakam is our guy. We think he can be the guy with Luca. We can throw you two or three contracts to match the salary. Then we can plus it up with picks from there because they owe one more pick to the Knicks. That'll go this year. And then they're free and clear. They can trade every other pick they have. So if it was like, hey, two picks plus we're going to give you a couple couple of our, our guys who are more contracts than, than anything else in terms of that kind of trade and go get a Siakam kind of guy, that could make some sense to me. I don't know how 
drastically does that really change the situation for Dallas? It's it's a little weird. They're, they're starting to run into the same stuff. The Rockets ran into a James Harden of, you know, how do we build a functional roster around a super usage dominant player who is great and an MVP candidate that can function being you know, orbiting him like everything's revolves right. around him but then when he sits for 10 minutes a night can really carry an offense themselves too like that's it that's just that's a hard hard formula to crack and and unfortunately i'm not trying to dump on the maps here but you had a dude who could do that in jalen brunson, brunson yep. and you let him go like that stuff while we're on the maps did you see the mural yes yeah did you see the mark cuban emailed the artist I didn't know he emailed the artist. I know he yeah. wasn't happy about it. Yeah, and he said it's disrespectful. Emailed the artist, and the artist was like, "Yeah, I got an email saying like you you could have reached out to me, like we could have talked." And what it, know, it said and, like send help. Yeah, yeah, said? it's it's help a mural of Luca holding like holding a sign that I think says like send help or help wanted or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, he Mark Cuban apparently didn't like that very much, and that's like that, that's what are you getting upset about that for? Like, you know, let's 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 move on. Like, you know, go get the guy help. Like, yeah. and now if Luca's kind of letting it known, like, hey, I want some help too. Well, then an artist, you know, painting a picture is, uh, you know, doing the artist, uh, you know, someone who can draw stick figures and stick figures only. I'm not trying to downgrade his talent because it's pretty cool, cool what he drew it is. and painted. But like, that's not where your worry should be if you're Dallas. You know, worry about your team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, does Cam Reddish equal help for, for the Mavs? The Mavs, Bucks, Lakers, all interested in Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, uh, obviously I've got perspective on this from the Lakers side, but um, the Cam Reddish is fine as a gamble. That, okay, if you want to gamble on him, fine. You know, depending on what the price is, of course. But if you're saying, man, we really need help on the wings, I don't think getting Cam Reddish means you, you've checked that box. Nope. Maybe that's it's possible, but you don't know. It's not a certainty what you're getting in Cam Reddish still. Cam Reddish, six foot eight wing. What do you think his career shooting percentage is? Lower than it should be. I'm guessing it's like 39% from the field. Oh, you are money, my friend. 39.3% wow. from the field. 32.3% from three. This year, he's cut the three-point attempts down some, and he's up to 45%, but he can't crack the Knicks rotation. The Knicks gave him a starting spot, didn't work out, kept him in the rotation a little while longer, didn't work out. He's now doesn't play for the Knicks. This is... One of those ones where I think people still think Cam Reddish, high draft pick, came out of Duke. This guy must be really good. We need to go get him. And it's it's almost similar to, um, oddly enough, another guy the Knicks had, but Kevin Knox, where for mm -hmm. a long time it was like, well, Kevin yep. Knox is good. And then it's like, if Kevin Knox is good, why doesn't Kevin Knox play? Like on a team that's bad. Like that's not – like right. something's missing there. I think sometimes it just it takes a while for that draft shine to come off guys. Um, sometimes it comes off very, very quickly. But other guys, it's like, oh, bad situation. And I'm all for like, hey, maybe a guy will pop here, pop sure. there. But with Cam Reddish, if you're acquiring him, you're basically I taking a flyer. Right. Because you got to pay him. That's it. You, you know, if, he, if you get him and he pops, let's say you're, you're the Mavs and you get him and he's great for you. Cool. Now I got to. Think about after 25 games of this guy, I got to give him, you know, you know, a $15 million a year contract. Like, uh, how good do I feel about that? Right. right. Like that doesn't feel great. So that's, yeah, I, I just, yeah. Cause I get the Celtics fans all the time. I'm like, go get Cam Reddish. I know Lakers fans. Cause they've been linked oh, to yeah. him Big time. a million times. Like, I almost traded for him last year. At the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why don't we have Cam Reddish? And I think the reason is, I think teams look at him like, Eh, cause he's Cam Reddish and he's, he's okay, but he's not that good. And you know, that's the, that, that's a little bit of the challenge. If, if he was just that much better, we'd all feel a lot better about sure. going to get him, but he isn't. So here we are. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy.
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Indeed. Indeed. All right. We've got the Hornets listening to offers for Terry Rozier, which is an interesting one due to his contract. I mean, he's got, what is it, three more years left under contract after this one? He's got Yeah, only recently extended contract, too. Yeah, I mean, he's got, okay, so this is this is the next, this year he's making 21.4. Next year, 23.2. 24.25 is 24.9 million. The 25-26 season, he's making $26.6 million. He's 28 years old. <laughs> Can um, we talk, let's pause there, though. Yeah. This is one of the most absurd things, and I, I, I still don't fully understand why this happened. Okay. $26.6 million, but it's only guaranteed for the light amount of $24.9 million. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, why, like, why even have that? Yeah, thanks for saving me $1.7 million. Yeah, that makes thing. that makes no sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't no get sense. it either. Yeah, but so. in, in any event, he's, you know, he's 20, he's going to be 29 mm-hmm. in, in a few months here. Yep. Are you... How do you value? Is this? I don't know. Like this, it feels like this contract is walking that fine line between the Hornets may need to give something to get rid of him, and other teams should have to give something fairly significant to keep him or to to acquire him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which side of that line to fall on or where that. I, and so I think there's a there's a wide fluctuation here in what his real value actually is. I think a lot of it depends on. Do you feel like he is the guy? When Charlotte got him, he was a 45% shooter from the field. Yeah. A couple shots away from being a 40% shooter from three. Good score, decent playmaker, tough defender, one of the better rebounding guards in the league, especially when you consider he's really only about six foot one. Or is he the guy's been this year, which is a low 40% shooter, 32% shooter from three, super inconsistent. If you think he's that guy, then that's not worth too much. If you think he's the guy, Prior couple of years, well, that's pretty valuable, right? Can yeah. play. He's shown both with Boston and Charlotte, he's good on and off the ball. He can play in a lot of different lineup constructions. There was a point in time where, if we you know, rewind all the way back to the summertime when the Lakers and Hornets were involved in five million different variations of trade rumors, where I was like, "Yeah, I do Westbrook for Hayward and Rozier." I yeah. thought that could have made a lot of sense. I, you know, that's but. Now it's like, yeah, where are we going with this? I think the other thing working against him is just talked about Fred Van Vliet. You're one of these teams that's like, well, maybe we could get Fred Van Vliet. Who would you rather have, Rozier or Van Vliet? Van Vliet's probably the better overall defender. Um, he's obviously won more than than Rozier. You know, he won a championship. He's been, you know, kind of a pr- pretty good winner. But yeah, it's just weird, weird spot with Terry Rozier. Like, I, I'm not fully sure because. We've talked about this a lot. How many teams really, truly need a point guard too? Yeah. You know, and that's that's it, at the end of the day, that's what he is. He can play off the ball next to a you know another primary ball handler, but it's his size. He's he's a point guard. That's you know that's really what he is in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, agreed. So he's going to be one of the more fascinating ones to keep an eye on on the trade market. We know the Hornets are a team that's going to be a seller. They're one of the teams that sure. you know they, they, the season has not gone the way they'd hoped it would, and so they're yeah. going to be in the Weminyama sweep sweepstakes here. But it makes so it makes sense for them to move some players if they can. If it costs them to move Terry Rozier, I don't know if you do that, but I don't know how much they get in return. If now if he was shooting 40% from deep this season instead of 32%, okay, but I think that that his play this season, while it's not been bad, at 32% from three with the efficiency and the size, it, it gives teams enough reason to to pause and really consider what they want to give up to get him. Exactly. Hey, I, I was so hoping when I just saw this tweet. That was going to be play the trade drop, play the trade drop, but yeah. it's it, it it isn't. Um, the Wizards, this is for Sham Sharani and Josh Robbins of the Athletic. The Wizards have started trade talks centered on Rui Hachimura potentially clearing a logjam at forward, and then there's an article linked that talks about what could this also mean for Kyle Kuzma. Um, the logjam at forward, very 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 real thing. Uh, in Washington, without a doubt. I mean, this is, I'll just run through it super quickly, but these are all the guys that they have at the 3 4. Because remember, Porzingis play, is playing the four again now. They started Daniel Gafford at center again. So you've got Porzingis, Kuzma, Kispert, Hachimura, Avdia, 
all guys in the mix there. Will Barton doesn't even play anymore for this yeah. team. He's completely out of the rotation. Sneaky buyout guy. I think Will Barton for teams looking for wing scoring and, and bench help. But I think there's a good chance he, he does a buyout with Washington. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you got to do something there, right? You can't play all those guys. Um, so, and if they, they continue to tell teams, um, I heard this directly from somebody yesterday who, who admitted that they had reached out on Kuzma, that the wizards were like, yeah, if you want to make a ridiculous offer, cause we plan on resigning him. Yeah. Um, that, that's cool. They plan that. I don't like Kyle Kuzma necessarily plans on resigning. <laughs> like yeah. That's, that, and that's, that's all he needs lot. to tell. If, if Kuzma wants yeah. to go, he just tells them, Hey, I'm probably yeah. not going to stick yeah, around. Not, yeah. Then you have to trade him and be yeah. irresponsible not to, but Hachimura, not, he's not bad. Um, let me pull, pull it up real quick. Cause, cause I think people maybe have a sense of, of what they, they might think he is last year in 42 games, 49% from the field. What do you think he shot from three? I know it went up. It went up by, I want to say like 36%. 45%. No. Yeah. On, on three three attempts per game for, from three. This year, it's gone back down, It's but it's 35. So he's probably okay. going to settle that 35 to 38 range is, is probably realistic with him. Yeah, absolutely fine. You know, I I, I like Rui Hachimura, man. I, I yeah. kind of wonder if he's the kind of guy you get as a good team, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Rui Hachimura is a little bit better than maybe what yep. I thought he was. Like, and that's how Washington would that be, right? Of like, they trade him and the guy, you know, pops somewhere else. Like, that just feels like how this is going to play out. But I can't blame them. They've got to do something because I I just ran through it. That forward position. It's too many guys. Too many guys and not enough minutes. No matter what direction your season goes the rest of the way, you can't can't play all those guys. Agreed. Yep. Yeah, they're going to have to figure something out there. So moving Hachimura would not be a surprise at all. Yep. That's the way that goes. Dude, every day we do this. And I see the tweet notification go off on my phone next to me. And I'm like, oh, there it is. We're going to play the trade drop. And it's like, nah. Hasn't happened yet. Yeah. We're going gonna to need to build one where it's like we, 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 uh, I almost said Photoshop, but like we dub like Adam Silver saying, we almost have a trade. <laughs> almost trades. Yeah, yep. Something like that. I, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. Hope, hopefully not. Hopefully, he hopefully we don't. It doesn't come to that. Hopefully we just get some actual no. trades. Right. Yeah. We're sitting here. It's Wednesday, man. My prediction of a week. I've only got two days left. Yeah. To go in the week, so we 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 got to get there. Come on, NBA. Come on, NBA. Figure out silly. life. Let's get this yeah. done. Don't make me look silly. I log in here every day and do this and look silly as it is. You can back me up, please. <laughs> Let's go, league. Let's figure something out. Let's get some <laughs> deals done just for Keith Smith. I like it. Um, Let's wrap things up there, but appreciate everybody for joining us. Obviously, a lot to cover today. Uh, I was out for a couple of days, but uh, we're back in action. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Hopefully, the NBA trade market gives us some more cool stuff to talk about and things do start to pick up uh, out there as the trade deadline gets a bit closer. Make sure you're subscribing to the NBA front office YouTube channel. Of course, go find us over on Spotify, Apple podcast, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast till next time, everybody see ya and stay safe. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.